Tim Kewen, you are here to talk about Devontae Adams, the new superstar receiver for the Raiders, the guy who is reuniting with his college quarterback, Derek Carr, in Las Vegas. And I got to say that when I first heard you were doing Devontae Adams as a cover story, I didn't really have very high expectations. I had no idea that the guy was even vaguely interesting. (laughs) I I have to say, Pablo, I shared your sentiment when I first got the assignment because... (laughs) There's not a whole lot out there about this guy that indicates he would be very interesting. And uh, yeah, we set out to change that. I think, Pablo, we should start on the water. How's that? We have a story of two good friends and teammates at Fresno State, Derek Carr and Devontae Adams. Derek Carr is a recreation major at the time and Mm. had taken some classes at Fresno State about different recreational activities. (laughs) That sounds like a fun and very Fresno State major, if I may say so. And and very football-oriented major as well. (laughs) He had, you know, learned about whitewater rafting. There's there's plenty of it very close to to Fresno up in in the Sierras. And so he decided that he was going to enlist one of his instructors, who was also a guide, that they would go up to the Upper Kings River and whitewater raft. And, you know, the problem is he couldn't do it by himself. So he tried to get a bunch of football players, including Devontae, to to go with him and his girlfriend at the time and now wife, Heather. Devontae was the only guy who went. Devontae's idea was that they were going boating, you know, that they were just going to go float around. I thought we're just going to basically be boating. Like, that's what I was thinking. A lazy river kind of dynamic. And I don't know whether Derek withheld information from him or not, but (laughs) they get on this raft, you know, and they start out and it's it is kind of a lazy river. We're going through like the first one and it's just basically like a lazy river. I'm like, oh, this is easy. This is cake. Well, There's an end to the Lazy River, and it's called Bonsai Hole. And as Ryan Suarez, the guide, explained to me, the sound comes first. (laughs) (laughs) He says you can start hearing this churning of this water as you're like maybe 50 to 100 yards away. And he looks at these guys, and he has given them instructions. Don't stop paddling. Instructor tells us to hold on, and I'm like, hold on. For what? As soon as we go down, he's telling us, don't stop paddling. Like, there's one rule to this, and that is it. If you stop paddling, we're all done for. Ryan looks at them, and he sees their eyes starting to get big as this sound gets louder. The first sign of trouble, Devontae says. So what do I do? Stop paddling. I stop paddling. (laughs) He comes from East Palo Alto, which is not whitewater rafting territory. He didn't spend a lot of time on the water. And so the don't stop paddling fell on deaf ears. He stopped paddling. As soon as we get through there, I slide into the boat to make sure I don't go in. And it threw the balance off. And as soon as we hit like one of those rapids, it just shot us out. Everybody went flying out. He fell out first. Derek fell out next. And as as Ryan told me, you know, Heather was the only one who followed the rules, but it didn't matter. He said, I had these two ripped guys, and the moment I needed their power, 
there, it wasn't there. These two guys who are renowned for their rapport on the football field, these two like super jack dudes, they're now just getting swept under the water. Oh, they're just, they're gone. When you almost lose your life together, it can bring you closer. Devante just volunteered this information as a an indication of just the bond that he and Derek have, you know, that they, they've been through a lot. You know, they played together for, for two years at Fresno State. But this is what he chose to tell me to describe exactly what they've been through as, as friends and as humans. <laughs> Friendship really can be a strange and very winding river. It can start off straightforward, even gentle, as everything looks like it will be this way and this easy forever. But then the river forks, often for reasons beyond anyone's intention or control. And years later, shockingly, maybe those two streams end up converging again. And it's almost like you never split up in the first place. So today, we tell the inside story of how Devontae Adams wound up in Vegas with Derek Carr after eight years with Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay as the receiver who many consider the very best in the NFL is finally opening up and bringing water to the desert. I'm Pablo Torre. It's Tuesday, September 6th. This is ESPN Daily. Two guys drove to work. Neither guy wore a seatbelt. One guy got a ticket. One guy didn't. The same two guys drove home. One guy wore a seatbelt. One guy didn't. One guy made it home. The guy not wearing his seatbelt didn't. Don't risk it. Click it or ticket. Paid for by NHTSA. Okay, so Tim, we're back on the water again, and a college-age Devontae Adams and Derek Carr were just attempting to go whitewater rafting in the Sierras with Derek's girlfriend, Heather, and their guide, Ryan. But the quarterback and the receiver stopped paddling and their raft capsized. And how does Devontae Adams remember what happened next? It was funny because he started this story by saying, we almost died together. People don't know that. And I'm just like, okay, where, where is this going? <laughs> the term I learned is clear the boat, which is what happened here. They cleared the boat, meaning that that boat went on and there was nobody on it. Mm. So all four of them are in the water and, and Devante is like, okay, I'm going to die, you know? Right. They're bobbing. They're just, you know, you don't, you're, it's, it's a washing machine. You don't know where you are. You don't know which ends up. That's terrifying. Yes. You're grabbing a breath and then you're trying to find shore. They had about 10 seconds to do that before they would have confronted a 75-foot rock wall, the rapid, which at this time of year was a was a class four, which is basically second from the top yeah, that of, sounds on bad. the rapid world. I don't know about the classes myself, <laughs> but that sounds like a bad one. It was. 
Uh, it's the roughest one on this river that people travel from all over to, to whitewater raft, like people who do it a lot. <laughs> it's hard for them. And as Devontae Adams and Derek Carr are drying off on shore, getting their breath back, I do need to ask why anyone involved, Tim, is telling you this story. Why are they confessing this to you? <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure, Pablo, but I'm very happy that they did. Brian Suarez, the guide, had that same question because prior to talking to me, he texted Derek, they're still in touch, and he said, you know, is it okay if I talk about this to, to ESPN? And uh, Derek's response was, make us look like heroes, which was <laughs> hilarious. And uh, so after he tells me this text exchange, he says, and I will say, after Bonsai Hole, these were the two best paddlers I have ever had. They did not <laughs> stop paddling. They learned their lesson and they made it through. And it does seem, Tim, like there is... Some larger lesson here that both Devontae Adams and Derek Carr are finding themselves obeying in Las Vegas right now. I think that's right, Pablo. You've got these guys reunited as teammates on this team that historically has just been not only itinerant, but star-crossed in many ways. And yes, in the last year, they, they have had tragedy. They've had their coach be fired because of emails that surfaced from 10 years back. They, they just had so many things go on. And, and uh, there's probably a, a way to take the lesson of Bonsai Hole to Allegiant Stadium. Just don't stop paddling. You know, there's the metaphor there is, is don't stop paddling. And I think these two guys are trying to continue that, that theme as they go forward together again. And that question, Tim, of how far can they really take the Raiders, having just reunited to paddle together again, as you just said, it is one of the more enormous and interesting stories of this past NFL offseason to me. And that's not just because they are now threatening this balance of power in what has emerged as the NFL's group of death, the toughest division in football, the AFC West. And so when you go to Devontae Adams's new house to spend time with him in the desert after he gets traded and signs this five-year deal worth $140 million, 66 million of which is guaranteed, what did you find? Well, Pablo, the first thing I found on the instructions of how to get there was that you have to go through two gates <laughs> that have mm. separate gate codes. And I mean, you know, one gate is pretty standard for, for neighborhoods like this. But, <laughs> you know, I, I, as I told Devante, I go, yeah, I think you probably know you've made it when it takes two gates to yeah. get to your house. When you live in the gated community inside of the gated community. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. That's exactly right. You know, he didn't grow up with much. So he is completely agog at this. Like, he doesn't take this for granted. That's another thing I learned from him. He's like looking around at this thing like, can you believe it? And I couldn't. I mean, the house was remarkable. This 10,000 square foot house, it's got exposed metal stairways. It's big enough that Devontae has these, they're basically just Costco electric bikes that he bought that are like his favorite thing in the world. And he rides around his kitchen on an electric bike with his two-year-old daughter, Deja, in his lap. It's like a, a little bit of a sitcom scene where his wife, Devin, is looking at this and like, you know, you're, you're you're going to drop her and all that. And he's basically looking at her like, you know, I'm one of the best receivers in NFL history. I'm not going to drop my daughter. Yeah, maybe you've heard about my hands. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, he just is like, 
you know, a, a little kid in this place. He's so happy to be out of Green Bay and not out of Green Bay for any reason, you know, any sort of nefarious reason, but he's out of Green Bay. He's a West Coast guy mm. and he's in Vegas. He's a golf fanatic. He plays golf as often as he can. He lives on this beautiful course. Things are looking really good for Devontae Adams right now. <laughs> His life seems to be definitely on the upswing. So I want to understand how it is that he goes from the frozen tundra of Green Bay to the desert. How is it that Devontae ends up leaving Aaron Rodgers for Derek Carr? How do you tell that story? You know, it's been kind of a long recruitment process that Derek Carr has <laughs> engaged in to try to get his buddy to, to play with him. They've, uh, you know, they talked about it back in 2017 when, when Devontae signed a new contract with the Packers. But I think it became clear last year when the Packers couldn't come to an agreement on a long-term deal that it was probably time for Devontae to leave. There was all the uncertainty around Aaron Rodgers, whether he was going to come back, for how long he was going to come back. Right. I remember, Tim, that there was a matching pair of last dance memes that both Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams both put on Instagram of like Jordan and Pippen like fist bumping each other, raising all sorts of questions about like, okay, wait, which one of them is out and are they both or what's happening here? That's kind of been the the undercurrent, right? It's been this sort of weird back and forth and, and, you know, trying to say something without actually yes. saying it directly. Yes. You know, I think these two perfected that a little bit with that little back and forth. Well, what's their, what's their relationship like, Tim, as you have reported it out, what's your sense of like, how did Aaron Rodgers and Devonte Adams get along by the end? I asked Devonte that question directly. Like you just say all these glowing things about him and what he's meant to you. What he told me was, if he was a lousy teammate, I would say no comment. He said, but he was a great teammate. And I think it gets to who Devontae Adams is that makes this make sense. Because Aaron Rodgers is a perfectionist who picks on his receivers, right? Yeah, Tim, he was doing it last month with his young receivers complaining about how they were doing. You know, we had a couple, you know, total mental busts. We had a drop for a pick. We had, you know... Two guys running who knows what. It's getting close to that time where it's going to count. And I need guys out there I can trust. He was. He was complaining about the young guys and they don't know what they're doing. Whatever. Well, he, Devontae takes that differently than some of the typical like diva receivers. Devontae, I think, grew up like that, like where he took criticism well. He wanted to be great. As Devontae told me, he goes, you know, this guy was doing this for 10 years before I showed up. So I respect the fact that he has this track record as a Hall of Fame quarterback. So he didn't just immediately dismiss the things that Aaron Rodgers was telling him. He thought, okay, this guy can make me better. And I think that's kind of the, the root of this is that Devontae Adams is great and would have been great anywhere, but I'm not sure he'd have that warehouse of the future if it weren't for Aaron Rodgers. Yes. I always go back to, I covered the San Francisco Giants and, and, and when Barry Bonds got there and, you know, nobody really liked Barry. Teammates didn't mm -hmm. really like him, but a lot of guys made a lot of money because of Barry Bonds. <laughs> Hitting behind him, Absolutely. pitching when he's out there. You know, there's a, there's a symbiotic relationship that goes into this. And I think that's where it is with, with Rogers and, and Devante. They were good for each other. 
People told me that over the course of the offseason, it became difficult at times for DeMonte to communicate with Aaron. It would mm. go, he would text him about stuff he wanted to know. You know, what's the future look like? What's it look like in Green Bay? And, you know, Aaron was off doing whatever Aaron does in the offseason. You know, he, I don't think DeMonte took it personally. But, you know, he was there was a time there where he was trying to make up his mind and he wanted to get in touch with him. And it became hard. I don't think they're best friends, but I think that they have a relationship that each each of them understands what the other has meant to his career. And I think there's there's actually a, a bond there. Have you had conversations with Aaron since leaving Green Bay? And what was that goodbye like? Oh, yeah. I mean, we've, we've talked multiple times and, you know, we talked throughout the whole process, too. And he was he was aware of, uh, you know, where I stood and I was aware of where he stood. And we we had talks about his future and what he what he thinks his his duration in Green Bay or just football in general would look like. And, you know, that played into into my decision as well. Coming up, how Derek Carr convinced Devontae Adams that it was time for a change. Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue, and ready for the play. And boom, Añejo Tequila came in with the smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is hypnotic and tequila season. Hypnotic liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky. 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Picture this. You arrive at your hotel. You have an important online meeting lined up with clients from all across the country. You have your laptop open, ready to begin. And the Wi-Fi is so terrible, you can't even connect. These type of stressful situations happen all the time, but they don't have to. When you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you have access to their free high-speed Wi-Fi. So you can take care of those critical emails, join your meetings on time, and even unwind by streaming your favorite shows without having to worry. Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. So the friendship between Rodgers and Adams is as complicated as you have now laid it out. It sounds like, by contrast, that Derek Carr had a very clear picture of exactly how close he wanted to get with his old college teammate. Yes, he did. And and it, it has been brewing for a while as we as we discuss Pablo. And I think that these guys have been friends, they've been neighbors, they've been teammates in the past. It's a real thing. So you go to Fresno State, who do you meet there that changes your life? I met this this young man named Derek Carr. And I genuinely liked him as a person right out the gate, you know, when I first met him. Never forget when he showed up, I was like, This this guy's different. This was in practice, and I was like, we can't redshirt this guy. He would push me up to the you know, third in line or whatever when he's going through his top two guys. I'm sitting there in the back of the line waiting, and he'd go, hey, Tay, get up to the front of the line. That's kind of where we started our, our chemistry, and once we got enough of those going, the rest is history. Carr sets up, looking his way, throwing the post. Adams goes up and makes the catch. Touchdown, Fresno State. The seventh touchdown pass of the day. 
you know, I, I spent a whole day watching these two guys golf together, and it is, it's genuine. I mean, they are just very comfortable with each other. They just seem to know each other's rhythm and stuff. They're really close, and, and you know, they lived close to each other in the off-season in the, in the Bay Area. They lived in the same housing development. We were, you know, eating lunch, hanging out at each other's houses, playing basketball at the local YMCA's and 24-hour fitnesses and all this kind of stuff. And, you know, he probably don't want me to tell anybody, but he used to have a Raider shirt that he would wear when we'd go hoop. Never made it a big deal because I was hoping he was just speaking it into existence. And it's just like, you know, he was <laughs> on the Packers, but he'd work out, he'd we have this Raiders shirt on wow. it because he grew up a Raiders fan. He showed me a picture of his third grade yearbook and he's wearing a Tim Brown jersey. Yeah, it's worth noting too, Tim, that like tampering is very much a thing the NFL does not like. If it's executives, if it's coaches talking to opposing players, but the player-to-player thing, right? Like we've seen it with the Rams where Andrew Whitworth, their retired left tackle, sort of courted Matthew Stafford. Like player-to-player tampering is not a thing. It is not. And it it has proven to work, you know? <laughs> and I think that the, this, in this instance, you know, I asked Derek about it. I, I said, you know, I guess there's, you know, no, no problem with players tampering, right? And he just looked at me and he said, uh, there isn't. And I was egregious. <laughs> so that was, that was just the word he used seemed just to fit perfectly for, for what, what he was doing. Rumors swirling around that Devontae Adams would be a Raider. What is just your thoughts on those rumors? I would always welcome to play with him again. I, I will be recruiting very hard. So when that time comes... Uh, it will be a full court press. So what does, you know, egregious look like if Derek Carr is not trying to play it cool here with his old buddy? <laughs> egregious means that the day after the Raiders lost in the, in the wild card round to the Bengals in the playoffs. Takes the snap. The season. Intercepted. Intercepted. The Bengals have ended a 30-year drought. After we lost to the Bengals, I want to jump on it. I was like, how many days is respectful until I call him and then we start getting on this? You know, <laughs> How many days is, is, is okay? So how many days was the right number of days? I'm not going to lie. I think I texted him like the next day because I couldn't help myself. <laughs> Devontae's preparing for his divisional round playoff against the 49ers the following week. When I saw his name pop up, just based off the timing, like I knew what it was about. He said... Focus on what you got to focus on. I don't want to distract you, but there's some stuff that I want to talk to you about. Derek saying, hey, good luck this week. Take it all the way. You know, at the same time, hey, we got some things to talk about here. Like when this is all <laughs> over, you know, keep me in mind, you know, as Devontae said, okay, the Raiders lose. The next day he sees Derek's name pop up on his phone and he's like, I know exactly what this is about. Yes, all of the subtlety, all of the subtlety of texting someone you up at 4 a.m. Yeah. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> precisely. And, and it uh, <laughs> it fell on Devontae the same way, which was, dude, this is clear what you're doing. No one expected them to lose. So I, I remember calling him. I said, hey, whenever you're ready, I'm ready. Let's figure this thing out. So Derek is referring there to the Packers getting upset by the Niners in the divisional round, which sped up the timeline for everybody here, right? Because Devontae suddenly finds himself on the verge of free agency and the Packers, for their part, they really did want to keep him, Tim. So what was Green Bay's strategy to try and get Devontae to stay? Well, the first, you know, the, the, the Packers 
tried to franchise tag him. And this comes after Aaron Rodgers has signed a two-year contract, after Aaron Rodgers has essentially told Devontae, like, hey, my time is short here. Do what you have to do. Don't tie your future to me if you don't want to. And so Devontae says, you know, forget the franchise tag. You know, that that is just not something he's going to do. No. Um, the Packers make an offer, a big offer, and Devontae has to sort of figure out what he wants to do. And he sat down and, and a, you know, obviously got a ton of money from the Raiders, but he got an offer that was bigger from the Packers that he will admit. Mm. But he had to make a quality of life decision. When I first got in the league, we were renting an apartment and every single offseason, we would have to pack everything and take half the stuff to my mom's apartment, half the stuff to my wife's mom's house. And we would split our stuff up like that. Everything was there. And then we would pack two or three suitcases or whatever and then head on down to Green Bay. So that part was super stressful. And his decision was that he has family on the West Coast, some of them that have never even seen him play because of the logistical issues of getting to Green Bay. And he's got two grandmothers that are in their 80s that, you know, he would love to have them be around while he's playing. And so Vegas had pretty much everything he wanted. You know, it had <laughs> had Derek Carr, first and foremost. You know, it had the weather. It had the proximity to his family in the Bay Area. And uh, yeah, year-round golf. Let's not discount that because this guy is wanting to golf as, as often as possible. So yeah, he, he asks for a trade and it all, you know, in a weird way seemed to play out pretty amicably. And so when it happens, I mean, again, it's worth clarifying, right? This is a truly surprisingly amicable transaction where this guy goes from one team to another. And so I presume that when it's consummated, you know, there's like an official like, hey, man, we're going to we're going to trade you as we discussed, blah, 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 from like someone in the organization. And that's not how it happened. <laughs> how it happened is that, uh, you know, as Devante is is in the gym in his home. His wife, Devin, is in the living room with their newborn. Heather Carr texts Devin Adams, hey, it's done. At the same time, Devontae gets a text from a former Packers coach, Luke Getze. I got a text from one of my old coaches, just sent me a screenshot. And I'm like, what is going on? And it is a screenshot of a Adam Schefter tweet <laughs> <laughs> saying that this deal has been finalized. I don't know how exactly it happened, but some way, somehow, it leaked. So I officially found out through social media. Devontae, who is very meticulous about just about everything in his life, he actually went through and looked at the metrics of the tweet to figure out, like, what number of person he was that found out about uh. this trade. So I was like, there's probably 100,000 people out there who knew that I was on the Raiders before I knew. There were six figures worth of people that knew Devontae Adams was a Raider before he did. FaceTimed him. And the first thing, like, as soon as I saw his face, we both just started laughing. It was a lot of, bro, it was like just pure shock. Yeah, they ended up getting Devontae Adams for a first-round pick and a second-round pick in the 2022 draft. And I recall seeing this video, Tim, this clip of them crossing paths in camp for the very first time after the trade. And it was kind of like the NFL version of that viral video where two toddlers are just running to hug each other on the sidewalk. <laughs> Look at him. He's working on that tan. Good to see you, bro. <laughs> oh! My God. It's good to see you in that silver and black. Oh! oh. 
Oh yeah, you this your first time, huh? It was surreal. It was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe we're doing this again. The coolest part wasn't the football part, it was that I get my friend back. And so Derek Carr's heart is warm. The Raiders are thrilled. Opposing defenses are about to be unsettled. But the one thing we still got to account for, I think, is what about Devontae Adams specifically makes him one of the best, if not the best receiver of his generation. And so how would you describe, Tim, how his NFL career started on draft night? Well, it was, in a way, it was a little bit embarrassing. The first night he doesn't get drafted. He had like an ESPN crew in his house and you know how that goes. Everybody's like, okay, when's this going to happen? He remembers, you know, this the kind of also being a little bit of a cliche is that guys who remember everyone that was drafted before them. Oh, no, Tim, he's one of those guys. He's one of those guys. He oh, is man. one of those guys. He is. Quite a few wide receivers who went before him who frankly shouldn't have. I mean, you've got, yes. you've got Marquise Lee, you've got Kelvin Benjamin, you've got Jordan Matthews, Paul Richardson. I mean, mm. he has this all down. And, and, and Devontae was picked the 21st pick of the second round at, at number 53. As cliche as it might be, it does provide motivation. He still harbors some resentment that, as he said, that those guys don't know how to, how to measure what a true dog is on the field. <laughs> But in terms of measuring, Tim, like what a good wide receiver actually is on the field, how does Devontae Adams not just think about that, but explain that? I mean, this is one of the things that I don't understand nearly as much as I would like to. What makes him so good? Yeah, it's, isn't that fascinating? I mean, I've always thought that with like Jerry Rice, where you, you could line up every wide receiver in the NFL and put Jerry Rice somewhere in that lineup, and you would never pick him as being any better than the next guy. The same with DeMonte. You would line up these receivers and you'd say, okay, well, that DK Metcalf guy must be better than him, right? Or, yeah, or, I'd like you know, him to just... paddle me through a whitewater rapid. Yeah. <laughs> yes, very, very good. And, uh, you know, I, I do feel like there's something about, about drive, about inner drive that's there. Um, he has perfected the, the little things, right? Like he, he, is, he is really focused on his releases off the line and now he's, basically famous for them, right? He's the mm. best release. He calls himself jokingly the release king. That's what people <laughs> know him as. That kind of attention to detail where he watches the film and he knows the guys he's playing against. He can, he, he knows where they're, what their tendencies are and all that. And then he has these very quick, very decisive moves that he makes that are trying to create space. You do that in basketball, you do it in, in, in football. Yeah, Devontae Adams was a really serious, really good basketball player at Palo Alto High School. His first expectation was that he was going to go on and play basketball somewhere because that was his sport. I was talking to his mom about his basketball career, and I said, do you miss watching Devontae play basketball? And she said, no, I get to see him do it every Sunday. He's out there playing basketball. And one point that he really wanted to go out of his way to make was the impact that fear has in the NFL. Mm. And he sees it, he looks for it in cornerbacks. And he says, you know, these guys that are all mouthy and talking, they know that he has this ability to sort of see right through them, right? And so he, he really uses the fact that he's not a typical mouthy receiver to attack these guys like he attacks them mentally 
and he's got the physical skills to back that up. But he looks at these guys, he senses their fear. He, he seems to understand that they are uneasy with his sort of mysterious ways, you know, that they would right. rather, they would rather that he just yell at them, you know, like every <laughs> other receiver, but he doesn't do that. They would rather he broadcast all of his ego in public such that they could understand him and what makes him tick that much better. Exactly. And instead, he just plays mind games. He's very astute. He kind of understands human behavior in a way that he can maximize on the football field. So what you're saying is that the reason I found him only possibly vaguely interesting at the top of the show is actually by design, that he's actually like been playing poker for years. Exactly. He does. He frankly doesn't want to be interesting to you, Bobo. He, he <laughs> that gets in the way of, of, his, of his work. You know, he doesn't want us to find him interesting. And so the reality in front of Devontae Adams now, as he's embarking on his first season with his new team, with his old best friend at quarterback, what do you think is running through his mind? I think what Devontae is seeing is like now that he is in a, in a, in a spot where he's content. To be in Vegas, it just makes me feel a lot better knowing that, you know, before my career is over, I'm gonna be able to have more family at games get to have Thanksgiving, Christmas in my home. Green Bay was my, that was my house, but my home was, was in Cali. But now I'm, I'm here full time, I'm back home. I think he's really gearing up for a, for a season that, you know, that we might remember. You know, Derek Carr's put up some incredible stats without a guy even close to Devontae Adams to throw to. Yes, a number one receiver who I imagine also is remembering somewhere in his brain that he still should probably keep paddling. He definitely should keep paddling. <laughs> I think it's a lesson. <laughs> it's a lesson he learned once and doesn't have to be taught again. Tim Kewen, thank you as always for bringing us safe passage. <laughs> thank you, Pablo. <laughs> I'm Pablo Torre, and this has been ESPN Daily. I'll talk to you tomorrow.